Well, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. We're so glad that you're here with us today. I'm gonna start off by taking us to Luke 19 and I'm gonna tell us a story. Jesus is traveling and he's teaching and he's taking the good news wherever he goes, bringing hope and freedom. And he's passing through the town of Jericho. And while he's there, uh, there is a man there in the crowd, an evil man, a man named Zacchaeus. And he is a chief tax collector. He has treated people unjustly. He's stolen money. And as a result, he has become very wealthy. And Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus, but he's short. And so what does he do? He climbs up in a sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus. And wouldn't you know, as Jesus is passing by, he looks up in the tree and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, could you come down? And could I come to your house? And could I stay with you? And Zacchaeus, he's, he's delighted. He, he jumps down out of that tree. He can't believe his good luck. When suddenly the people who are around Jesus begin to grumble and they say, does Jesus know about this guy? He's not a good dude. He's a terrible guy. He's a sinner. He has treated people so unfairly and unjustly. And now let's pick up in Luke 19 and let's see what happens as these people are making this accusation against Zacchaeus. This is Zacchaeus' response. He turns to the Lord and says, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is a dramatic turnaround. From robbery to generosity, what's happening here? Well, what happened is that Zacchaeus met the person of Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, we are transformed. Our lives change. We are not the same. What happened in this moment is that he not only stops what he's doing that was wrong, he chooses to start making amends. He makes things right that were wrong. Not only does he decide to give half his money away to the poor, but to anyone that he stole from, he's going to give back the money and give it back fourfold. What happened here? Well, what happened is that when we, made, when we meet Jesus, we are made right. And when we are made right, we do right. And this is mishpat. What is mishpat? Mishpat is the Hebrew word for justice. And it is a restorative justice, making wrong things right, making other people's problems our problems. And in the Old Testament alone, the word mishpat is used over 400 times. You see, mishpat is God's heart for us, and for our relationships and for the world. Justice is not just some stiff principle that Jesus promotes. Jesus is justice. In his heart, it breaks over injustice and his anger is real. But in him, we are made right and then we are invited to do right. We are invited to do mishpat. Now, I know that justice is a loaded word. I know that it is a tender word. I know that there are many in this room who have faced injustice. I know that there are some in this room who have perpetuated injustice, whether knowingly or unknowingly. I know that some of you have a burning desire to pursue justice, 
I know others of you are leery of even having a conversation about justice. And so I just wanna take a moment right now to acknowledge the tension and the pain that comes with this word. We're gonna need the Holy Spirit's help to engage in this conversation where we talk about God's heart for Mishpat because I believe it is vital. And so right now, I just want everyone to take a deep breath with me. Are you ready? Breathe in, breathe out. The Holy Spirit is here and he wants to help us because Mishpat is vital to our faith. And in many ways, I feel ill-prepared to take on this topic. But I know that with the Holy Spirit's help, he wants us to engage in a conversation that is going to take us further because Mishpat is his heart for us. It is his heart and his plan for the world. And Mishpat is a kingdom principle and we are kingdom people. And so we wanna explore God's heart for Mishpat. And right now I'd like you to open your Bibles if you have one or if you, if you want to, you can go on your phone. Um, or your device. We're gonna look up Micah 6, 8. And this is a very famous uh, passage in the Bible. It's a prophet, Micah is a prophet. And Jesus, Jesus is going to speak through Micah. Um, and he's gonna talk about this whole issue of Mishpat. This is God's heart for us. This is Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. These are fairly simple instructions to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. They're simple, but they're not easy. And so the question today is how do we do justice? How do we do mishpat? How do we love kindness? How do we walk humbly with God? And we're gonna explore this today and over the next month. But first I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit because we need him. We need him to bring comfort today. We need him to bring ears that can hear and open hearts. And so I'm gonna pray and invite that he would be our teacher today. And so if you would just open up your hands or put your hands on your heart, however you wanna posture yourself to receive. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to be the teacher. God, your heart is for Mishpat that we would understand it, that we would embrace it, that we would follow those instructions from Micah, but we need your Holy Spirit to even begin this conversation. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and do what we cannot. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you hear the word justice, what do you think of? How do you define justice? Because in this journey where we're gonna be talking about Mishpat, it's incredibly important that we reflect on what do we think of when we think of justice because that is going to affect how we both participate and view justice. And again, I'll be the first to admit this is a very layered and complex topic. And part of this is in fact due to um, the truth that there are multiple forms of justice. In fact, sociologists can't even agree how many different categories to put justice in. Some people say 10, some people say four. Here is just a few categories of justice though. Retributive justice. This is justice that is based on punishment. So for example, a crime takes place and retributive justice would be the punishment for that crime. Another form of justice is something called distributive justice. This is justice that determines who gets what. And this is more commonly um, dealing with like the distribution of goods and wealth and power and other resources. And in distributive justice, you're trying to do the most good for the most uh, people. 
Another form of justice is called restorative justice. This type of justice is about restoring relationships to rightness. And this type of justice often deals with the person who has done the hurting, making amends to the party that has been hurt. And it is about mending relationships. But my hunch is that when we hear the word justice, we're not thinking about these more formal sociological terms. Rather, we're thinking about more of the practicalities. We're thinking about things like racial justice. We're thinking about things like justice for unborn babies, justice for women who have been sexually violated, justice for immigrants, justice for widows and orphans, justice for the poor, justice for the disabled, mentally and physically, justice for those who have been victims of terrible, violent crimes. And I wanna tell you that each of those areas of justice is important and they matter to God. God hates injustice. And his heart is for mishpat, for every single one of us. And what I think is so beautifully amazing about the body of Christ is that God has given many of you a passion and a desire to see justice in one of those specific areas that I mentioned. That is a gift that God has given us because he hates injustice. And again, I, I know this is a tender area. I know that there is pain in this room. There are lived experiences of you or those that you love and I want to tell you that injustice is never God's heart. God's heart breaks for these things in our lives. Here at the Vineyard, we believe that the kingdom of God has come, is coming, and will continue to come. And so what that means is that when Jesus came, he set into motion God's plan that Jesus would bring heaven to earth and we would get to experience that now. And that's why when we read the gospel, we see that wherever Jesus went, he brought hope and healing and, and wholeness into terrible situations. In fact, let's go to the beginning of Luke 4. And this is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. And this is what Jesus is proclaiming out. This is what he says. This is what I'm here to do. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set, and set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is about justice. And this was his mission here on earth, proclaiming the good news to the poor, setting people who are in bondage free. This is mishpat. So when we say yes to Jesus, we join him in advancing the kingdom of God. We join him in making wrong things right. And we do this all through the, through the power and the partnership of the Holy Spirit. Because we know this, when the kingdom of God comes, then healing and hope and wholeness come with it. Injustice is when something is not right. And I wanna be clear that Injustice is things like brokenness and discrimination and pain and betrayal. And it's not right. It's not right that people don't have enough food. It's not right that people are treated differently because of the color of their skin. It's not right that people are taken advantage of in, in delicate and in, in tenuous circumstances. Those things are not right. And as kingdom people, we are being invited into an invitation of mishpat where we are going to participate in God's restorative justice. 
Our call is to participate in this kingdom work, making broken things new and helping to create the rightly ordered life. Now here's where it can be challenging. We believe that God determines what is right and wrong. We as humans do not, have, do not get to decide what is morally and ethically and relationally right or wrong. Wrong. Now, where this is confusing is that a whole bunch of energy has been put into us since the time we were very little to help us distinguish between right and wrong. From our schooling to our culture to our language, we have been schooled in what is right and, and wrong. And so as we go on this journey of discovering what is mishpat, we need to be open to the fact that we may need to unlearn some things that we've learned. Now, culture hasn't gotten it all wrong. In, in no way have they gotten it all wrong. But what we want to do during this series is we want to say, God, how do you see things? How do you define right and wrong? Because we can trust who he is. God is the supreme authority and power in our lives. And we can trust who he is and how he sees things. And so we need to embrace this journey with humility. We need to say, Holy Spirit, help me see what I cannot see. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. So mishpat, Justice is God's heart for the world. And right now, I just want to take a moment. And I want you to look around this room. I want you to look to your right. I want you to look to your left. Do you see what God is doing here? He is pulling together a beautiful, diverse group of men and women who have different stories and different pain and different positions and different passions, and he's pulling us together, and he's inviting us into a family, a beautiful family of every tribe and every tongue, because that is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is a tough topic. You can pray for me. You can pray for me right now, but we want to engage with the Holy Spirit and lean into this conversation. So often, the enemy can take us out of this conversation about mishpat when we don't hear our preferred form of justice. And I wanna encourage each of us, lean in. We're gonna go on a journey together to explore what Holy Spirit has for each of us. The really cool thing is that we're part of a larger movement, the movement known as the Vineyard. And this is in a movement of about 500 churches. And right now, our movement is working on clarifying the definition of justice. And using their framework, we're gonna take the next four weeks and we're going to explore Mishpat. We're gonna explore how Mishpat is biblical how mishpat is kingdom-oriented. It's all about the kingdom life. How mishpat is motivated by love and mercy. And finally, how mishpat is context-driven and practical. And I think we're gonna learn a lot along the way. I'm so encouraged where the Holy Spirit is leading us. And so with that, what I wanna do now is I want you to turn your attention to the screen and we're gonna watch a Bible project video. And in this video, they are going to more fully explain mishpat and how it applies to our lives today. Let's watch. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world 
by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. 
But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's a powerful explanation of what we're looking at right now. And I want to pull out three things from this video. I want to talk about the relationship between righteousness and justice. I want to talk about Jesus and Mishpat. And then finally, I want to come back to Micah 6, 8, and we're going to look a little fuller at the context there and see how we can participate in Mishpat. So first, let's look at this connection between justice and righteousness. As we're learning, Mishpat is the word for justice in Hebrew. And as the video stated, it can refer to retributive justice, but more often than not, in fact, nine times out of 10, it is talking about redemptive uh, justice. It's talking about the type of justice that is full of mercy. And I loved the definition we were given there, where other people's problems become our problems. Now, righteousness, this is a word that we have explored here many times, but let me just recap a little bit about this. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the gift we are given from Jesus that makes us right in our being. It is to be justified, which is so interesting because, of course, justified and justice have the same root word. So to be made righteous is to be made right. And this is a relational word. It talks about how we relate to both God and then fellow man. Now, interestingly, justice and righteousness are biblical concepts that are tied together. In Hebrew, uh, it's called a fixed phrase, meaning that these two words, they show up together in the text over 50 times together. There is a relationship between righteousness and justice. And let's just go on a little Bible tour for just a minute. We're gonna look at five verses where this fixed phrase comes up. So this, we're gonna start with Psalm 33, verse five. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. All throughout the Psalms, we're gonna see this language. Let's go to another one, Psalm 89, 26 or 89, 14, sorry. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Okay, the prophets also talk about this. I'm gonna skip ahead now and I'm gonna go all the way to Isaiah. This is Isaiah 33, uh, 33, five. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And then let's go to Jeremiah, and we're going to read that verse that they referenced. This is Jeremiah 22, 3. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. 
And let's look up one more. There's 50, so we could look up so many more, but this is just a small snapshot. This is Jeremiah 33, 15, and it says this, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So justice, making things right, and righteousness, being made right, are connected. Mishpat and righteousness are hand in hand, and they are central to the heart of God. And that's why we need to explore what Jesus has done. And right there in in the last verse in Jeremiah, he gives us a hint. He's talking about a righteous branch that's gonna come up from the line of David. He's talking about Jesus. And he's saying that Jesus is going to execute righteousness and justice. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. What does that mean? To to understand Jesus, we, we need to go back to the beginning of the book and we need to remember what the problem was. And the problem is this issue of sin because sin messes us up from the inside out. Sin and Satan are at the root of all injustice in the world. Sin becomes a barrier and a blockade to mishpat in our lives because sin feeds, multiplies, and perpetuates injustice. And all of this began back in the beginning with Adam and Eve when they choose to sin. But thankfully, God has a solution to sin and his name is Jesus. And so let's go to Romans 5, 18. I know I'm using a lot of verses today, but I want us to see what is happening in Jesus. In Romans 5, 18, we're gonna read about the great exchange that happens between Adam and Jesus, the difference of what happens. Listen, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This is a deep verse. This is one of those verses too, because it uses some words that we don't always use in our everyday language. I wanna encourage you to go back and meditate on these verses. What this is saying though, is that through Adam and Eve, all were condemned. We all became sinners. We were judged. But through Jesus and his act of righteousness, each of us have been justified. We have been given justice and life. You see, in Adam, we all became sinners. In Jesus, we have all become righteous. We like to say here that we've become saints. So where Adam brought judgment, Jesus brought justification. Through Jesus, you have been made right. Those who have been made right, do right. And to do right is to do justice. That is the beginning of mishpat in our lives. We are brought to life in Jesus. So instead of Jesus coming and judging you, he came and justified you. And now his invitation is, let's go do justice together. Let's go make wrong things right. Let's go make other people's problems our problems. You see, through Jesus, we have been made right in our relationship with God. We've been filled with his Holy Spirit. We have been made righteous. Jesus embodies mishpat. He is mishpat. He made our problem his problem and he justified us. And because we are justified, we now become carriers of his justice. Filled with his spirit, we get to take him wherever we go. We get to ask that the kingdom of God would come, that the rightly ordered life would come. We've been justified, and so now we do justice. 
Made right, do right. What happened to Zacchaeus should happen to us. When we meet Jesus, we should not only make right the things that we've wronged, where we participated in injustice, we should stop. We should go even further than that. We should make other people's problems our problems. And again, that's Zacchaeus' story. Not only does he make wrong the, make right the wrongs, he goes on to give away half of his wealth. This is what Jesus does for us. And that's why in this whole conversation, evangelism, where we bring people into relationship with Jesus and justice need to be hand in hand because in Jesus is justice. And we need these two things tied together. As we know Jesus, we are made right and we do right. So let's go back to Micah 6, 8. A little bit of context I think is always important when we're reading the Bible. So let me just tell you what's happening here before Micah gives these instructions to us The Israelites are in the land that Joshua had divvied up for them. And they were supposed to cultivate this land and live with this land and, you know, make a living for themselves and make homes and communities. And at the beginning, things were fairly fair, okay? But as time went on, there was some more shady behavior and practices and people began changing the boundary lines at night. And then they were buying land from lower income landowners and slowly turning them into bond servants or slaves, and then individuals were accumulating large quantities of land unfairly. And even though this was thousands of years ago, when I think about that context, I think it's so relevant for us today. Praying on the vulnerable is such a terrible injustice that we see in today's culture. So Micah, he's a prophet. He's ticked off. He's mad most of the book. But he gets to this point, and this is kind of the main focus of most of Micah. He says this, you know what's good. You know what's required of you. And it is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. So how do we do justice? Well, when we've said yes to Jesus, we learn that we have been made right. And as new creations, we're learning to live in this new reality, thankfully, in this season of transformation. We know that we have the Holy Spirit's help to do this, we've been made right. And so now we're invited to partner with God through the Holy Spirit to do right. In heaven, there is no injustice and we are kingdom people. Jesus instructed us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done today as it, on earth as it is in heaven. And so doing justice is about making things right making other people's problems our problems. And what does this look like? Well, it looks like many different things. Let me just give you four specific examples that I came up with. You know, being an immigrant is a difficult thing. And we are blessed in this community to be a temporary home to many international students coming here from the University of Illinois. And we wanna say, welcome, we're so glad you're here. But being far away from your family and from your culture and from your food, it's difficult. And last fall, our church had an amazing opportunity where we had folks from within our church open up their homes and share a meal with a whole bunch of different students from different countries where they were able to share their stories and eat a meal together. This is Mishpat. I was talking with a friend of mine and she shared that a good friend of hers had lost her husband of nearly 50 years just a few weeks ago. And my friend's heart was burning for her friend. And she said, you know, I realize I can make her a pot of soup and I can drop it off. And so she went to her friend, a new widow, and she took a pot of soup. This is Mishpat. For over 26 years, we've had a food pantry here at Urbana, just right up the road at the Hope Center. And originally it was here on on site. And right now this this food uh, pantry has been serving over 300 families, families 
a week and they need help. On Saturday, November 18th, they're, putting, they're giving away holiday food boxes for people to be able to have a Thanksgiving meal. This is a way that you can participate. participate. This is Mishpat. Our second son, Tate, broke his leg about two weeks ago. And I have been overwhelmed as I have received so much grace and mercy from people. This community is amazing for people who have physical disabilities. The accessibility that's in this town, people who have disabilities matter and their access matters. And I have just been so grateful and humbled at the people who have helped us. This is Mishpat, where we make other people's problems our problems. We are called to do mishpat. The second instruction there is to, to love kindness and mercy. And sometimes that word kindness is translated as mercy. We want this to be our fuel. We want this to be the thing that motivates us, not our own self-righteousness, our own vanity, our own pride. Rather, we want to do what Philippians 2 says. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is gonna be a challenge because in our world, we so quickly think about ourselves and our own problems. And there's an invitation again, to make other people's problems our problems. And we're gonna spend an entire week on the motivation of kindness and love and mercy. And then lastly, the instruction to us is walk humbly with God. His ways are higher than our ways. He is the Lord and the King. He is the one that we work for. He is the one who is the Lord of it all. And so I believe that we are encouraged to embrace humility as we go in this story. Humility gives us eyes to see where we couldn't see before. And I love this picture of us walking, to walk humbly with God. There's action there. We're not just standing still. When we can, how we can, we help one another and we walk humbly with the Lord as we're doing it, all in partnership with the Holy Spirit. You know, our church for the last 45 years has done an amazing job of telling the miraculous we're a place that believes in the Holy Spirit, a place that believes in miracles for today. And we often have done a good job of telling those stories. But I'm feeling a deep conviction that we wanna have a holistic view here. We wanna tell all the stories and, and stories of Mishpat are stories of healing and stories of Mishpat are stories of miracles. And so we wanna share some of the things that we've done and that we are going to do and we hope to do, but you're gonna hear holes in this story because we have not done it perfectly. And we have places to grow and to learn and, and to keep going on this journey with Jesus. And some of you may even during this time, you may feel things and you may sense things and God may be drawing you deeper. I hope by the end of our time together throughout this series, you're gonna have a fuller picture of how this church is participating in Mishpat, but I hope it goes even further. I hope that the Holy Spirit grabs your heart and, and challenges you and says, how are you doing mishpat? How are you doing justice? Because we've been made right, and so we do right. This is the invitation that Jesus has for us today. Would you please stand if you're able? And we're gonna go into some worship and some ministry and just see what Jesus wants to do in our midst. Oh, Jesus, we need you. And we need your truth. And so Jesus... I thank you that there's lots of space in this room for feelings and for pain, God, for disappointment, for questions, for hunger. And Holy Spirit, we just say, come now in our midst as we worship you. Give us clarity, God. Help us say yes to this invitation. 
In Jesus' name, amen.